How many guys have you have ever you have been to a uh, an adult care facility like a, a nursing home? Can I see your hand? You've been to those things? Because sometimes people walk in, they go, "Man, this is sad and it's scary and it smells funny." I how many guys know that if you want to love people, go where people want to be loved. And I, if you've never been to one of those things, you should go because it is such a such a life changing experience that'll make you want to come back again and again and again. I when I was uh, in training for ministry in Phoenix, Arizona, I was a chaplain at a couple of nursing homes, and one of them was just filled with a with a room full of characters. I take my dates there, and all the you know the the New York Jewish widows would size them. Oh, Jimmy, she's a tramp. You know, run for your life. She'll ruin your life. I she's a trophy. Don't get a trophy. Get a get a good get a good dog. Don't get a, don't get a bad dog. You know, and they were awesome that way. But I remember one time. We snuck in, they talked about therapy dogs. I snuck in a puppy. I mean, a flea-bitten, laying underneath a trailer that had a family living in it. I walked up and said, can I borrow your puppy? And they said, why? I said, I'm going to a nursing home. It'll, it'll be well cared for. So I took it in, and I snuck it inside of, like, my shirt. And you don't wear coats because it's Phoenix and you'll die. But I, I, went, I snuck it inside, and I got to the, the, the room where the three ladies were. They were my favorite ladies in the whole nursing home. And I brought it out. And you'd think it was Christmas morning and someone unlocked Walmart. Um, it was, oh my gosh, and they, they all, you know, the arthritic fingers in the puppy's eyes, and oh, they're beautiful, and they're all whole, I remember, and all these stories came up, when I was a little girl on the farm, when I was a little girl this, when my kids were little, and it's just, how many guys know people who've lived a full life had the best stories, and they couldn't remember what they had for lunch the day before, but they remembered 1908, and we talked about it, and at one point, the puppy was kind of, so I, I put it down, as soon as I put her down, she squatted and peed right on the floor. I went, oh, I'm so sorry. And, and she gave this little dear old lady, she gave me a hug. She says, don't worry about it. We all do that around here eventually. It's no big deal. <laughs> so if you get a chance, go. And uh, we can't overwhelm them. You know, 40 people was enough. So, but if you get a chance to go, go. And just, just let people know you love them and you remember them. It's important to their hearts. Amen. Let me grab my remote control. How many of you guys uh, are, are ready for baptismal Sunday? Here we go. All right. So today, I want you to know something. At the end of this service, if you've never been baptized in water, I want to invite you to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm telling you that up front because as I teach, I want you to begin to make this decision. You're like, well, wait a minute. I, I'm not ready to be baptized. I didn't bring the right clothes. I, there's no such thing as the wrong clothes. If you're wearing light clothes, you will get closer to Jesus and we'll get closer to you. <laughs> we have towels for just such an occasion. You know, uh, if you're like, oh, I, it'll mess up my hair. Yes, it will. And you'll never look better than when you're close to Jesus in that way. So, and I'll also tell you at the end of this, if you're like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I don't know anything about Jesus. We're going to give you an invitation as well to know Jesus and be baptized in water at the end of the day. So I'm just happy. You know, I, I, I'm tired. I think we, we explained that in various ways. Easter's exhausting, and when you're all done, you're like, yes, we're all done. And you got, you know, Monday you have off, so Monday you don't do anything. You lay in bed. People, how many guys know that God created DoorDash for the Monday after Easter for pastors? And so we just relax and enjoy it, and then Tuesday comes, and you're like, oh, it's time to go to work. I don't, you know, don't want to go to work. And you're exhausted, but by the next Sunday, you're alive because you know what's about to happen in people's lives. How many of you guys remember the day you were baptized? Anybody remember that day? It's special, right? It's, it's, maybe you're like, I was a baby, I, I didn't understand, or I was a little kid, I didn't understand. But if you were baptized like for the, for the washing away, for the identifying of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, it's a moment that just sticks. I don't know who won the Super Bowl two years ago, but I remember the day I was baptized. Why? Because 
One changed my life because I lost the bet, but one changed my life because I won salvation. So now what? I think that's the question. So many people gave their life to the Lord last week. It was such a joyous moment. But how many of you guys know that salvation's not the end of something? It's also the beginning of something. I've already asked you today, what Jesus saved you from? I'd love to hear those stories, testimonies, what it's called. Like, this is what Jesus did in my life when he rescued me from me. But there's another part, not just what did Jesus save you from, but the second question. Anybody know what it is? What did Jesus save you for? I love that you know that. Yeah. Like, there's a purpose. If the purpose was to go to heaven someday, then what are you doing here? Because God's purposes will be accomplished. So if you're here, there must be a reason. If there's a reason, we got to get ready to live that reason. And getting ready for that reason, we're going to talk about today. So Hebrews chapter 11, you want to open your Bibles there, you can. We're not going to read out of it, but I just want to show you something. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's what we call the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Faith. Yeah, there's a, like the Baseball Hall of Fame. There's the Yogi Berras and the Babe Ruths. And why are they there? Well, because they're the greatest. And we don't want to forget them. They, they, they were the ones that in their generation did what nobody else could, the Ty Cobbs and oh, the Cy Youngs. It's just they're an amazing group of athletes that gave us the game of baseball today. <clears throat> and in the same way, the Bible has a hall of fame or a hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11. There's guys like Noah. Hey, go build a boat. It's going to flood. It's going to rain. If you knew this or not, but it hadn't rained prior to that. Like the, there was a heavy dew, the waters would rise and recede. It was kind of like God's natural way of watering the earth. And, and he's like, hey, water's going to fall from the sky and deluge, and everybody's going to drown unless they're in this boat. And everybody's like, what do you mean rain? What do you mean boat? <laughs> and it wasn't like he worked on it for a weekend and it was over with, but for decades, this guy built something that made him look like the village idiot. And God only spoke to him once. It wasn't like he spoke to him every day about it. He spoke to him once, and Noah obeyed. There's people in there like Abraham. There's people in there like David and, and Samson. You just go, These are the, this is the hall of faith. But look what happens when it goes from 11, chapter 11 to chapter 12. He says, therefore, everybody say therefore. Now, what do you, what's the question you need to ask yourself when you see the Bible say the word therefore? What's the Therefore. Therefore, it's connecting all that they just said to what's about to be said. So look at all these great people of faith. He's going to connect it. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a, a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on, come on, Jesus, right? The pioneer, the author, and the perfecter of our faith. Then the writer gives us a key, and this is what I want to get to today. There's a key to actually doing this. How many of you guys know it's nice to be told what to do, but it's also nice to be told how to do it? You should jump over a building like, yes, how do I do it? I have no idea. But it was just exciting to say it. So this is the how-to. That's, that's the what we should do. Here's the how-to. For the joy set before him, everybody say joy. Starts with this. There's a goal that is, has such elation. There's, a, there's, such a, there's a, such a conclusion that is before you that enables us to endure the cross, scorning its shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's saying this. The writer of Hebrews says this. Jesus accomplished what he did, not by looking at what was in front of him, but looking at what was before him for eternity. There was this joy of a saved world. There was this joy of returning to the right hand of the Father. There was this joy of accomplishing his purpose. There was this joy that was before him. And so, yeah, you can look at the cross and the nails and the thorns. That was all very real. Somebody say amen. That's not like some sort of metaphor. Like he was beaten, bloody, bruised, torn, the, the lash. The, it was just awful. If you did it to a dog today, you'd go to prison for years. They did it to the Son of God then. So the, the awfulness of Good Friday. But understand this. How did he endure that? His eyes weren't on the moment. Come on. His eyes were on something else. 
And that something else gave him such joy, he knew that with every lash, there was a soul being saved. Come on. For every bruise, iniquities were being cleansed. For every piercing, that actually hurts after a while, and I'm just doing that. For every, that blood's flowing outwardly, and the outward commission of sin is now being forgiven for all mankind. So for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the here and the now. How did Jesus endure the cross? Very simple. He fixed his eyes on the joy. Come on. You getting this? You're going to walk by faith. You got to understand something. There will be moments that are not fun. There will be moments that are extraordinarily difficult, disheartening, confusing, heartbreaking, disappointing. Amen, Pastor Jim. Great message. I'm really getting a lot out of this. How many guys know like that's, that's sobering, but how many guys know that's also true? Just, I'm going to help you out for a second. This, this earth we live on, this isn't heaven. So everything God wants to happen in the order God wants it to happen and doesn't necessarily happen here. But this isn't hell. Nothing God wants to happen and nothing God does is revealed here. This is that place in between where everything heavenly and everything hellish competes inside the lives and the hearts of men and women. And we make a decision called faith to choose I will believe you or I'll believe you. I will trust you or I will trust you. I won't believe you or I won't believe you. How many of you guys know the devil's a liar? We shouldn't trust him or believe him. But, but understand this. There'll be things we're going to have to go through. So Jesus ran his race for you. Do you see that? Now it's your turn to run your race for him. That's what baptism is about. That's the beginning of understanding it. We, we look at Jesus, that joy of knowing Jesus, and no matter what comes our way, that cross, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before us, we endure our moments of crucifixion. And we keep running towards him. Think, think of it this way. I want to give you an analogy that, that marriage is a lot like following Jesus in some ways. There's a, there's a certain covenant to marriage. It's not a contract. It's not an agreement. It's not a handshake. A lot more going on than that, right? So there's this, it's not junior high, do you like me, circle yes or no. There, there's a deeper, there's a lifelong commitment that is made in marriage. It's a covenant. In the same way, there's a lifelong covenant forged with God. So you, you meet your spouse. You meet Jesus. You, you prefer your spouse. It grows. You prefer Jesus. You choose your spouse. Will you marry me? She says yes in agreement, or she says no, and you start over again, and it's hellish, and thank God for Facebook. So you can complain, and everybody can comfort you. You know what I mean? Or, and, but you prefer Jesus. You choose Jesus, and then there's that wedding day. Now, at the, at the wedding day, like, yes, we've accomplished something great. Kind of true, but isn't it also true that there's a day after your wedding? Like, let me give you a statement that might be helpful to you in a, in a multiplicity of ways, or if you're single and young, it may just confuse you. After every wedding, there must be two funerals if there is to be a marriage. And everybody married goes, uh-huh, yeah. Everybody single goes, I don't get it. Yeah, but you will. <laughs> and we're going to laugh and laugh and laugh. Let me understand this, guys. Nothing makes me happier as a husband than when I get to lay down my life for Dina. Does that make sense? No, no, baby, I, don't worry about it. Well, let's just do this. Let's just, you know, it can be simple. Let's go to the restaurant you want to go to. Let's, let's not take a vacation. Let's take a vacation. Let's put money here. Let's put money there. When I get to, when I'm in a position where I want to do this, but she really wants that, and I know it, and, and I say, I submit my will to that. How many of you guys know when, when I die to myself, somehow I'm more alive when I do it because of love? Does that make any sense at all to you? Single people are like, so wait, you get married so you can lose all your rights. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. So if you think that doesn't make sense, try this one on. There's something about lowering rights and raising responsibilities that brings the greatest joy. 
True? Single? Not much money, but, you know, 65 Buick Electra, right? But it's my life. It's my money. It's my time. Dean and I meet. It's our money. It's our time. It's our life. You still tracking? We have kids, rights, responsibilities. My life, Huckleberry Finn, backseat of a 65 vehicle Electra. Wherever I want, whatever I want. Get tired of people telling me what to do, so I join the army. <laughs> I meet Dina. My rights are lowered because it's not my time anymore. It's not my money anymore. You still here? It's not my life, not just mine, it's ours. We have kids. I don't have any money. I don't have any time. I don't have any life. So explain to me, please, why is it I'm happier here than I was here? It's a mystery, isn't it? You say, what do you want? You want everything to be your way, your timing, your money, your life, or do you want to give that all away and prefer others? You'd say, I, I, I choose A. But only those who've given up something, their rights and gained responsibilities would understand the best of things happens here, not here. Huckleberry Finn, for all of Mark Twain's writings, he looks so happy. But I didn't understand, at the end of, of Mark Twain, he comes back and he lives with Aunt Becky. Why? Because there's something about being a part of a family and lowering your rights and raising your responsibilities. I don't, it doesn't make sense to me at all. But how many of you guys believe it's true? Say amen. So now we're his followers. Listen, Jesus lowered, what were Jesus' rights before he came in flesh? He's God. So I, I imagine a lot. Then he takes on flesh and he dwells among us. And he defeats everything that, defeated, that defeated, ever defeated us. And then he goes to the cross and takes on the responsibility of the sins of all mankind, lowering his rights to absolute nothingness. Not even, a, not even a word of defense when people lied about him or mocked him. On the cross, he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Son, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. Dealing with the care of his mother Mary and John the apostle who was with her. Um, this day you'll be with me in paradise, he says to a thief on the cross. What's he doing? He has no rights, and yet he has all the rights in the world. What has he done? He has relinquished every right. You still here? And taken on the responsibility of his mother, of those who crucified him, of the thief hanging next to him. Do you see this? So this Jesus that says this example, I, I just want you to know, before you get baptized, you're not like, I'm going to get soaking wet, and we're going to have pie afterwards because grandma's here. Like, that's cool. I love pie. I'm a little hurt that I wasn't invited, but that's all right. I get it. I get it. But understand this. If you're going to follow Jesus, it's not because you have the rights. It's because you desire what he gave you to be your life now. I want the responsibility of the cross. I want the responsibility of turning the arrows that have all pointed towards me since I was a baby, and I learned the word, how many of you guys know there's no more wham? We, we listen for those that are crying so we can help them, not sit there and cry so everyone has to help us. The, the Jesus following life, hear me, it's actually not about you at all. It's actually about him. It's, it's about someone who lives an athletic life and is healthy and is vital, but we, we're like the Cheeto king of the Midwest, and every burger's got to be double with extra glop sauce or there's extra gloop to dip it in. With extra, And we destroy our heart. And as we're, as we're losing consciousness, dying because of what we've done, we, we, just, we just say goodbye, cruel world. We close our eyes and we wake up 24 hours later realizing that someone has given us their living, active, healthy heart in place of our terrible, awful, greasy heart. Congratulations, you had a surgery. Well, what, what happened? Well, someone who was very healthy decided to give his life so you could continue to live with his healthy heart beating inside of you. 
there's this new life that you're now commissioned to live. Does that make sense? So what do you do? Man, you celebrate. Grab a bag of Cheetos. No, actually, you don't. You learn how to live, always bearing in mind that someone gave their life so you could live this one. Like the end of Saving Private Ryan. I mean, I saw Saving Private Ryan. R-rated movie. Shame on all of you. Just kidding. One of my favorites. On my phone right now. But there, there's, this, there's this scene, you know, where like, I, he's lived this life with this demand that someone gave his life. Captain John Miller gave his life and the platoon's life to save this one young man. And he's just like, you know, he, his last words are, James, earn this, earn this. So he lives his life with that in mind. Yeah, was, that, was that a good man? And I'm not saying create a, a guilt complex where every day if I do anything wrong, man, I'm, I'm such a failure, I'm such a loser. Don't do that, but understand this. Jesus died, relinquished all of his, his rights, took on all of these responsibilities, and it would be wrong for us to go, well, thank you, Jesus. No, we don't say thank you, Jesus. We say thank you, Jesus. I take on the responsibility of living with your heart beating inside of my chest. You guys doing all right? The answer starts, how do I follow Jesus? What do I do? Well, you relinquish the rights to your life in some ways. I'm not saying you have no right to yourself. I believe God will lead you through your passions, your pains, your proficiencies. There's a rewarding life that's waiting for you. How many of you guys know there's an abundant life Jesus promised? I'm not talking about being, you know, if you like that, don't do it anymore. It's sin because you might like it more than him. Never eat a cheeseburger again. What I'm saying is this. You have to live with the conscious awareness that Jesus died for me, and now I'm going to live for him. I live for myself. I know where it got me. Jesus lived for me, and now as I follow him. How many of you guys know, if you're not seeing this in your life, you're probably not following Jesus. Pick up your cross and follow me, Jesus said. So no, I want my life better. And God didn't answer my prayer, and I'm mad at him, and I won't talk to him. I'm going to pout. Listen to me. Stop. You're invoking your rights. Don't. There's no happiness in your rights. There's only happiness in bearing responsibility, knowing that God is right. And what he did through Jesus is an example for us. You guys still here? So the answer starts. How do I do this? Well, it starts with baptism. Baptism joins you into the life, right? We're going to do this today. The life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6 says this. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too, come on, say we too. We too may live a new life. Look at this. Baptism buries your past and it births your future. Somebody say amen. How many guys like the worst thing ever did? You'd like it to be gone. The worst thing ever said, you'd like it to be gone. Not, not that it was never said or never done. You know, if you ran up debts before you met Jesus, the next day you wake up, you still owe the debt. But, but what was wrong in you in, in covetousness or wrong in you in a lack of faith and borrowing all that money or whatever the explanation is, that is now right in you. God will give you the right to invoke through responsibility of your debt, responsibility of your health, responsibility of your marriage. If you'll do this, God will do what God does. If you do this, how can he? Because you're still your own savior. You're still worshiping you. Is this a hard message today? You guys got that look on your face like, dang, did somebody not feed the pastor? Dina. <laughs> Give that boy a donut. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, listen, if anybody's in Christ, he is what? A new? The old's gone. The old is gone. There's some stuff that's going in that tank today, and it's not coming out. The old is gone. The new has come. Life, death, 
and resurrection, right? Baptism makes all people equal as God's kids. I, I absolutely adore that. I think that's wonderful, right? It says this in Galatians. So in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith, through this trusting relationship. Guess what? Welcome to the family. He said, will you be my child? And by faith, he said, yeah, great. Here we go, right? So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized, everybody say baptized, right? Life, death, resurrection, have clothed yourself with who? So when God looks at you, does he see you? He sees your clothes. Uh, I, I do an illustration right now, but it creep all of us out. But understand, you're only seeing what I'm showing you. Let's just put it that way. Let's just, let's not even talk about it ever again, right? So it goes so far to say this. Listen, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, please understand or don't misunderstand. He's not saying there's no such thing as a man and a woman anymore, no such thing as a Jewish person or a Gentile person, but what he is saying is this. That with which you will be most identified with is no longer your race, no longer your gender, can I take it a step farther? No, no longer your social status, no longer your education, no longer the, the letters before your name or the letters after your name that go along with accolades. You won't be the trophies you've won. You won't be the worst thing you've ever done. What will you be? You will be a child of God. So it isn't like we stop being these things. It's just that which we identify with most, University of Michigan football or whatever it is. Listen, that's wonderful. So much better than Ohio State. Come on, somebody say Amen. It's not that that's bad or being a man is bad or a Jew is bad. None of these things are bad. They're just so far down the list of what might identify you because now what happened? Yeah, I had this and this is my life. I had no, and all of a sudden Jesus comes along. You still with me? Boom. Who is Jim? I, I don't know, but he sure acts a lot like a Galilean from 2,000 years ago. That's what you'd hope for, Right? You'd hope that you see, I, I have a right to my money, but Kingdom Builders Sunday is next. I got a right to this, but that my time at the nursing home ministry, I just feel like giving that time to somebody else. I, I, I have, you know, it's, it's my romance. It's my, th- I have this whole, I watch Hallmark movies. And you know what I mean? No, taking on the responsibility of being someone's wife, someone's husband. What, what we're doing is we're, we're shifting what we thought would make us happy that makes us universally unsatisfied, if not miserable. And by doing this, it makes no sense at all but after that covenant, after that wedding, if there's, a, if there's a two funerals, and by the way, Jesus has already committed his act of funeralness. I made up all those words, but you get it, right? He's laid down his life, so whose turn is it now? Where's the joy in following Jesus? Well, I stopped smoking. That didn't make anybody happy. <laughs> Neither you nor everybody around you. What's the joy of following Jesus? The joy of following Jesus is when I, when I put a quarter into my walk with him, and $14 comes back. That's joy. I, I, yeah, I, I gave an hour to go to the nursing home, but the joy, taking my rights to my time and elevating my responsibility to the, my community, all of a sudden I'm happier than I was when I just sat home and watched MASH reruns or watched my favorite uh, preacher on a podcast. Listen, before long, listening to the gospel has to become the actions of the gospel. Where's the joy? I, I knew that. Amen. I like the way he said what I already knew. Oh, that's something I didn't know. You put it in practice? No, but I really like the way she said it. You hear what I'm saying? Sooner or later, what we know has to become who we are. And we know these things. I have freedoms, guys, that my Cuban friends don't have. I have, I have education that my Mazateco friends, the, the Mazateco Wilde de Jimenez Indians and the Sierra Madres in Oaxaca. That's a lot to say in one sentence. But I'm really proud of myself. Got it all out, right? But I have education that they, they know nothing about. I have, I have great 
financial um, uh, advantages that my friends in Ouagadougou, Burkina Faso, Africa don't have. But can I tell you something? You know what, you know what, you know what makes somebody great? It's not their education. Come on. It's, 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 not, it's not their, their, I'm not saying education is bad, but it's not, it's not their financial advantage. It's not even their freedoms. What makes somebody great? Let me tell you, some of the richest people I know live in homes that have dirt floors. So why are they rich? I don't know, but if you've ever been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When I go to Cuba, it's so different than any place else on the planet. They've been in a constant revival now for like 10 years. You go there, 2 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, there's a prayer meeting, and like the place is packed, and it's, you know, to the rafters, and everybody's just outside the door. It's a prayer meeting at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. People take, they walk away from the sugarcane fields or the whatever, they're at the blacksmith shop or the auto repair thing, and they walk just to spend time with Jesus. Let me tell you something. I couldn't take anything to Cuba other than American dollars. What I got from Cuba was a faith that I'd never seen on this planet before. So who's greater? Come on. The guy with the dollar or the guy with the faith? I'll take the faith, right? There's no supremacy except the supremacy of Jesus among us. So baptism again, it's, it's the outward physical act that consummates that inward miracle. Our wedding day was far from perfect, but it was because it was our wedding day. The pastor forgot communion. How many of you want to be in the middle of your wedding and the pastor goes, I forgot communion. And he reaches into his pocket, he pulls out Tic Tacs. I'm like, no, put it back in your pocket. Literally, true story, yeah. So, but, but understand this. The words, Jim, will you have this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife, to live together after God's ordinance in the holy state of matrimony? Will you love her, honor and keep her in sickness and in health, forsaking all others, keep you only unto her so long as you both shall live, so help you God? And I said, I, I will. And Dina, will you have this man to be your lawfully wedded husband, to live together after God's ordinance in the holy estate of matrimony. Will you love him? Will you believe in his dreams? Forsaking all others, will you keep only unto him so long as you both shall live? If so, say, I will. And she looked at me and she said, <laughs> I will. Because she, she's Midwest now, but she was okie then. I will. Oklahoma, the only state that can turn one-syllable words into four-syllable words, right? And then they said, what tokens do you bring today to signify the sincerity of the vows you've taken? And we held out her, the rings, and she placed this ring on my finger. I put a ring on her finger. With this ring, I thee wed. With all my worldly debt, I mean goods, I, I thee endow. <laughs> and then there was a physical act in front of our friends and family and God by the powers vested in me, by the state of Arizona, and as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I declare that from this day forward you shall be husband and wife, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sir, you may now. Anybody else know? Kiss your wife. Been waiting for this for a long time. And we sucked face without guilt. It was beautiful. <laughs> We'd sucked face before, but there was always guilt. No guilt this time. Just. <laughs> no, actually, I didn't, I didn't kiss my wife until after we were married. Well, she wasn't my wife until after we were married, so that's, that's part of the, that's the, rest, that's the rest of the story. Here's the story. It sounds good. Yeah. Don't judge. It's ugly. Ugly when you judge. <clears throat> so how many guys agree the wedding's good? But understand, there was, a, there was another thing that happened later that evening, and it was just the two of us in there. There was nobody in the room but the two of us and God that consummated the, the word covenant, the gift covenant, and even the kiss covenant. And I want you to know something. If you're going to be baptized today, it's not like, well, our church baptized it. Stop. 
congratulations, you are in a covenant relationship with the Son of Almighty God. And that noun of your belief in Him and that trust in Him has to at some point convert into a verb of some sort of action, a walking forward, a standing there with a towel waiting your turn, worship team playing, people watching that are strangers and those who are most close to you. And in front of God and everyone, that physical act consummates that inward miracle. Listen, guys, last thing. Baptism's powerful. Peter says it this way. He goes, everybody was baptized into Noah through the flood. Well, we just kind of skip over that. Listen, it, the flood was, was a cataclysmic, powerful, global event. Everything that was filthy, everything that was defiled, everything that was sinful, everything that shook its fist towards heaven and said, we don't trust you, we don't believe in you, we don't want you, was completely and finally washed away with water. And they're all baptized through Noah. Again, in 1 Corinthians, Paul says this. He says that it's, it's like everybody was baptized into Moses through the, through the, the cloud and through the, 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 the Red Sea. Well, remember the story. Worship band, join me if you would, please. The Red Sea, think about this. What, what's the story of the Red Sea? Well, you know, they walked across, splish, splash. No. Like this wind blows and causes the sea to part on either side. There's a standing wall of water on either side. You say, well, how does that work? God, I... I hate to go Bible quiz on you, but God, I don't know. How does it work? I have no idea. But wind blew the waters back. He said, well, you know, the Red Sea was only knee deep. It's like, praise God, man. He, you know, God drowned the entire Egyptian army in knee deep water. Either way, it's a miracle. But the Bible says the wind blew the water back, and Israel crosses over on dry ground. But what happens? Once they're in the right, how many guys remember the Cecil B. DeMille film, right? Moses, right? That, that scene. Well, all of a sudden, the, the fire picks up. Pharaoh and, and the worst of his army, the power of the enemy of God's people rushes down into that same water and they're going to kill him. They're, those that they don't kill, they're going to rock right back into slavery. But Israel comes out on the other side, millions of people on the other side dry. And as soon as all the power of Egypt, come on, you still here? All the power of Egypt's in that water, what's God do? And the power of Egypt was never seen again. Every horse, every chariot, every rider, every spearman, every bowman, every swordsman that went into that water stayed in that water and drowned. So we talk about baptism. I just want you to know something. It's not like, hey, yeah, I'm going to get dunked today because it's really cool. It's what my church does. No, no, no. You're going into that water because Jesus went through the water for you, and it's your turn to go through the water for him. Because Jesus took his rights and his responsibilities. He said, you know what? I don't care what anybody thinks. I'll hang on a cross naked in front of my mother and a mocking crowd. Why? For the joy set before me, I will do what is necessary and vital and important. It's, it's, it doesn't make sense, but it makes perfect sense if you've been married or you've been in a covenant relationship. How would I be happier? Why am I not happier here than here? I, I can't explain it, but by laying your life down and following in a covenant relationship with someone who dearly loves you, your life is better. True or false? So today, I told you at the beginning of this, if you'd like to be baptized in water, I'm going to invite you. Say, Jim, I, I wasn't ready. I don't, I, totally cool. I totally get it. But I'd also say this. Gee, you might get your hair wet. I'm not wearing the right clothes. God created towels for just such an occasion. But I, I, it would be embarrassing. It might even be terrifyingly embarrassing. How many guys agree that as he increases and I decrease for the joy set before me, I could endure anything. I want you to hear me, guys. There's stuff that's going in the tank today 
that will never be seen again. That's the promise. That's the power of following Jesus through the waters of baptism. Would you stand to your feet? Nobody leave him, please. Today, if you'd like to be a follower of Jesus, baptism aside, it's your wedding day. I've heard about this, Jesus. I, I, there's, a, there's a certain attraction. There's a certain preference. There's a certain choice. And then there's a covenant. Sometimes it's all that in one night. It was for me. You're like, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I did, I'm spiritual, and I, I like the order of this. Then I would say this. You don't recognize your need for a Savior, so don't repeat a prayer that you don't mean. Somebody say amen. Do not go through the waters of baptism if you don't understand it. But if you do understand, if you do understand your need, not for swimming lessons, but for a lifeguard to jump into your life and rescue you, a Savior. If you do understand that no matter how many times you, you stop at stop signs, stop at stop signs, stop at stop signs, you're a good driver, you're, you're guilty the first time you blow through one. And being a good driver or a bad driver has nothing to do with that ticket. You're, you're guilty or you're innocent. And what Jesus has done for us is he's paid the fines for our not stopping, for our speeding, for our backwards at the speed of sound through a school zone. Whatever your sins are, Jesus faced the same thing you faced, only instead of giving into it, he defeated it. Then he became a substitutionary sacrifice to pay for those who did not, who failed that test. And now, by taking on who he is, there's this beautiful transition from I no longer live, but Christ in me. It's not I that live, but this life that I live, I now live for the Son of God. You hear what I'm saying? Close your eyes for just a moment. All over this room, if you're not right with God, but you want to be before we baptize, I want to give you an opportunity. This is an invitation. Today, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. In a moment, the noun of this faith can become a verb of, of public declaration. We're right here, right now. It's just, a, it's just a noun. I do believe Jesus died for my sins. I do believe he defeated death and hell and the grave. I do believe he seated at the right hand of the Father. I, I don't know what all that means, but in my heart, I know something is true. And I want to respond to that truth today. If that's you, heads bowed, eyes closed, you'd be joining dozens from this last week that made the same commitment. You're in a room full of people that will not judge but are very excited about the fact that you would accept the offer. Jesus assumes this humble posture and presents himself as a gift. And God says from heaven, will you marry me? And all of, all of creation waits with eager expectation for the sons and the daughters of God to be revealed. If you know that you know today, come on, right here, right now, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment. Are you ready? I'm going to count to three. When I come to three, today's your day. When I give your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Are you ready? One. Are you ready for that right hand to come down and that left hand to go up? Two. Are you humble enough to know you don't need another swimming lesson? You need a lifeguard. You need a savior. Without a moment's hesitation, are you ready? All over this room right now. Three. Lift your hand up if that's you. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. I love it. And the tears that come with it. Just the joy. Just the joy. Father, I pray for every uplifted hand because I know that it's attached to an open heart. Open hearts are the ones you walk into. Open hearts are the ones that, that welcome you in. So I just pray right now, God, as a hand has gone up, an act of faith has occurred. I ask you, God, now just to move in. Turmoil, I pray for peace. Whether it's sickness, I pray for health. 
where there are lies, I now, I now pray for truth, God, to invade those who raise their hands and open their hearts to you today. And I pray, God, that today will be a day, whatever the date is, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, let it be the day that they never forget. The day I raised my hand and I gave my life, past, present, and future to Jesus Christ. Not just as Savior, but as Lord. Lowering my rights, I, I welcomed him in. You, you take charge now. I'll obey. I won't tell you what to do. You get to tell me what to do. My hand is up and my heart is open, Father. Move right in, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. All right. You guys ready for baptism? All right. If you'd like to be baptized in water today, would you line up right over here? We got some people waiting for you. Again, I, Tim, I'm not ready. I didn't, I didn't know. This, congratulations. It's time to do something spontaneous if you want to. There's, there's no forcing you into this. There shouldn't be anyway. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. So if you'd like to be baptized, come on over here, and uh, we're going to line you up. The band's going to lead us in a song. Don't go because this is the best part of the service, right? I mean, guys, why don't you do this? Stand to your feet. Let's continue to worship the Lord. And turn over to them. We'll start baptizing people here in just a moment.